0: And another thing,
1: and another thing, and another thing,
2: and another
1: thing. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records around the world. And then as we always do, we break those Records. My name is Jody Jenkins, and my name is Tony Clement. And very excited for this week's show. We're going to get to our guests very, very soon. I have to off the top, Tony, as we always do. Thank our amazing sponsors at Municipal Solutions. Of course, this show wouldn't get on air without them. And John Mutton and the team—they're doing a bang-up job in the world of municipal politics and whatnot. You can share a little more detail in a second but i do also want to say this that i noticed through instagram yes that john is now the newest member at the albany club because yes,
2: I, I sponsored him yeah
1: you know why didn't you ask me
2: i i i didn't i, I know we have standards jody and uh i'm sorry <laughs> but uh, there'd have to be a, a a vote of the board of directors i'm just like you haven't you.
1: even invited me for lunch there <laughs>
2: that's right you're always welcome for lunch
1: no well anyway i was uh I was a little bit taken aback when I saw that on Instagram. And uh, hopefully sometime you can take me to the Albany Club. Well, I think I moment.
2: think the muttonator should take you. He's a new member.
1: Did they let him in with those shoes he had on?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> It's impressive. So I'm, anyway. All right. So Municipal Solutions, you can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And Tony, maybe just share a little bit about what they do.
2: I'd be happy to, as Jody said, John Mutton and the gang are there for all of your municipal services, development services, land severances, architectural issues and services, land planning and approvals and permit expediting. For all of your municipal solutions needs, go to municipalsolutions.ca.
1: And last but not least, looneypolitics.com, where we are providing exclusive content to their subscribers. And if you want to get into an annual subscription, simply use the code PODCAST. You'll get 50% off, and your life will be forever changed. Exclusive access to videos, articles, and podcasts like ours that you cannot hear anywhere else. And, in fact, we'll be doing an election recap for the team at Looney Politics as we go week by week on that front. So again, check them out, looneypolitics.com. All right, all that stuff out of the way. And Tony, I'm going to let you introduce our guest today. This should be a fun one.
2: It is going to be a fun one, Jody. And yes, it is. And another thing podcast, great joy and pleasure to have uh, two iconic uh, men who have been Toronto broadcasters and podcasters for many, many years were So excited to have Humble and Fred, Howard Glassman and Fred Patterson, on our Humble, if I may use that term, podcast. Uh, They started together in 1989 at CFNY uh, doing the morning show, but uh, through their trek through broadcasting, they've been on Mojo, Mix 99.9, Sirius XM, and many other places uh, besides that. But they started the podcast, Jody, 10 years ago as of next month, so in October I guess, uh, 2011, they started a podcast at the time, w- you know, what was a podcast? So they were really innovators. They're not only survivors of uh, of the broadcasting world, which can be uh, a nasty one, but they are innovators, and it is a great pleasure. Humble Howard, Fred Patterson, welcome. Yeah, we well, sound great, don't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hi, hey, Tony and Jody,
2: thanks for having us on the show. It's our pleasure to have both of you on, and, what, and, and this is do you have you done joint interviews before? Oh yes. Several. Several. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I, I, yeah, I just wanted to know whether you're innovating on that. Not
0: one, uh with two such uh, esteemed gentlemen. And thanks for inviting me to join that club. I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's right. It was yeah. unexpected. I noticed you uh, you know, listen, not everyone can be in every club, Jody. It's not a big yeah. yeah. That's what. <laughs> that's what
3: uh, and honestly, I'm a little intimidated because Tony's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. You know, so again, I, you you got to keep up. Got to keep up with this guy.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm to I'm gonna ask you that, uh, Fred and Humble, both of you, because uh, you've seen. Uh, such an evolution of radio broadcasting and podcasting in your time, you know, d- d- describe a little bit from, from your perspective, because it really is amazing that you started a podcast 10 years ago. There's a, there's a hundred thousand new podcasts a month, but you really were on the ground floor. Fred, do you want to uh, yeah. start this? Um
0: well, we we Take this first question from Tony. By the way, I am also intimidated by your intellect, uh, but I'm a bit uh, starstruck with Jody because you know he's an agent for golfers. Anyway, Fred, answer. Oh, I I didn't mean to leave Jody yet. I just haven't met met him yet. Um,
3: you know, uh, Tony, we first heard about this technology, you know, in the mid 2000s, and actually dabbled in it in 2006, 2007, if that timeline is right. And um, had some fun doing it. Did a co- couple of Humble and Fred Christmas bar broadcasts, and in what have you? And uh, it was neat. I mean, and again, it was primitive, primitive, primitive at that time because accessing podcasts wasn't nearly as easy as it is now. But we did them, and then uh, 2011 rolled around, and we both found ourselves out of work, uh, but wanted to uh, stay in the business, so to speak. So we thought. Hey, let's do one of these podcasts, but let's do it every day, and probably before long, somebody will office uh, offer us a radio job. I mean, really, that was the initial strategy. Let's do this podcast thing, you know, exercise those chops, and uh, and then hopefully we'll get a radio job. And as it evolved, you, as it evolved over the yeah. ten years, we did dabble in radio again a bit, but it's the podcast thing that has has
0: survived. Uh, Howard, fill in the blanks. Um, well, thank you, Frederick. That was well said. Uh, you know, when we started, like Freddie, Freddie and I hadn't worked together for four or five years. I was working at a radio station in Toronto. Freddie was programming a station uh, for the Chorus Radio Network. And, and as you said, we both found ourselves out of work. And when we started, <clears throat> excuse me, there weren't seven hundred thousand uh, podcasts on Apple iTunes. There weren't. There was really not very many. And what Fred said there I thought was significant is that we said, okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it like a radio show. We're going to have the discipline, you know, and Jody's done some radio, you know what I mean? Like an everyday job. And and maybe someone will hear us again and put us back where we belong on the top of Toronto radio. But a funny thing happened is that the podcast market developed kind of at the same time as us. Because Freddie and I are coming up to... I'm going to say it's close to 3000 episodes and and that's a, that's a ridiculous amount, but, but it sort of showed like we just kept doing it through radio jobs and we were on the air in Kingston through Sirius XM. It just became bigger than the radio stations that were, that were using our show.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and absolutely the, one of the things that Jody and I are fixated on is consistency when it comes to podcasting. Cause we think that that's, pretty critical for building an audience and 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 maintaining an audience so you do it every day we do it every week but whatever whatever time frame you decide on stick to it and 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 is that kind of the advice you give to prospective podcasters um you you say that you know whenever I look
3: at podcasts because I'm interested there's a lot of people trying to build podcast networks and I'm still trying to figure out the revenue stream there, because I know there's not a lot of money in podcasting yet. Uh, we, we've done pretty well, but on our own. And then th- this idea of podcasting networks where you get, you know, 10, 20, whatever podcasts, and then you sell them all together and then piece everybody off. I'm still trying to figure out what people are trying to do that way. The point here is... When I look at these podcast networks, the first thing I do is I look at the individual podcasts to see how often they post. And more often than not, it's inconsistent. So I have a podcasting network, and I look, and one of my podcasters hasn't posted a show since June. It just makes everything fall apart. It, it, you lose your respect for the, the, the whole
0: enterprise. Oh, and, to, yeah. and to, to be clear, we've been asked. Early on, medium time, like when we started in the middle of this 10 years and quite recently, would we like to be part of this? And we always come back to this. We've managed to create a revenue for a small company that's giving two and a half grown men a living. Um, We have a little staff and we have, you know, we've, we've developed this thing. But you asked about, you know, what we would advise podcasters. Well, there's consistency, which you and Jody are already doing. The other thing, though, is, and I've got two quick ones. One is it has to be authentic because people can get cheesy, hacky, inauthentic broadcasting on real radio. But the other thing, and I've said this to somebody recently, do something that you really care about because it might just be you and your friends listening. But if you really like some some subject that you have some, you know, passion for, then do that. Because if you're doing it to get, you know, rich, it ain't going to happen. I'm not saying you guys I'm not saying you can't get more and more sponsors, but as far as like a Joe Rogan or a Mark Marin, you know, that's fairly rarefied air. Yeah, that's lightning in a bottle. Well, and they also had other fame. That's the other thing. Tony. Yeah. yeah. Like it, You've got what we call like secondary or tertiary fame, because a lot of the podcasts, and I was looking at the uh, Apple iTunes charts right now, a lot of the podcasts that outrate us in Canada, and we're like 185 out of hundreds of thousands, which is good, but all of them have other fame. There are CBC shows, there's Derringer's podcast, he has Q107, but you guys, Tony for sure has recognition, and you can spin that into revenue. Yeah.
3: And, yeah, and you I, know, Eventually this thing is going to be solved. Um, monetizing podcasts. I mean, we're still on the road to that. Eventually it's going to happen, but if it is going to happen, it gets again, back to what you said, you've got to be consistent and you've got to maintain a certain quality. You've got to take it seriously or nobody's going to give you
2: money. Very simple. So I've got a question uh, for maybe uh, start with you, Howard, on this one, uh, 3,000, 000... Episodes? How do you keep it fresh? <laughs> um, well, because our
0: show isn't really about anything but ourselves. To you know, I'm not trying to rip Seinfeld off, but the Humble and Fred show is really just a show about Humble and Fred. So every day, you know, I'm not going to work with Freddie again until a couple days from now, and. We just have a, we have a great time talking to each other. We were, we were being interviewed for our anniversary recently. And Fred said something about both of us and I was very flattered, but I think it's true. He said, Howard and I are both pretty good storytellers and given 90 minutes to a hour 45, he and I, with the help of guests like you and others that we really like talking to, you know, we never really run out of stuff to say. So to answer your question, it's, it's because it's about us so it's fresh all the time because you know he's got grandkids now that's different than the humble and fred show of the 90s for a while i had a slightly younger girlfriend that gave fred 7 years 7 years <laughs> of I, I don't know can we swear on this sure 7 years of shit every time he would see me <laughs> he'd go oh, look there's you and your daughter that's cute um so you know there's always something in our lives that gives us something to talk about I'm, and- I'm
3: I'm not going to swear because I don't want to disrespect you any further than I already have tonight.
2: That's great, <laughs> J- Jody. Did you want to jump in?
1: Well, no. I actually I wanted to get you guys to unpack a little bit more about the evil, or I guess the changes that have taken place in, I'll call it corporate radio. I know I know that might not be the best term for it, but because you guys have been in oh, yeah. that world and and you guys were very outgoing and very outspoken about how you quit radio. Um with that I remember you released a statement, I can't remember exactly when it was, but maybe just chat a little bit about why that type of radio or or what you would consider mainstream radio just wasn't appealing anymore. You want to start
0: with this, Mr. Patterson?
3: Well I I don't know. And like you know, we gotta be straight shooters here. You know, one, two, three years ago, if somebody had come to us and offered us a terrestrial radio contract like the ones we had
0: before, uh, don't kid yourself, we probably would have taken them. (laughs) Just trust us, our integrity has a number. (laughs) (laughs) But the
3: thing is, when that doesn't happen... And you have to choose a path, or you know, are we going to chase this terrestrial radio thing and be one way, or are we going to embrace this podcast thing and do the type of show we always wanted to do, even when we were on terrestrial radio? It's not much of a not much of a contest. Um, you know, we we're making a pretty good living out of podcasting. A lot of people aren't, but we are. So we're in a position where we can start making decisions that maybe other people couldn't. And I don't know what it would take now, Tony or Jody, for us to take a radio job and get up at three thirty in the morning again if it was a morning show and put up with the, you know, the bureaucracy and the and having to ourselves at the end of every show. Yeah. So, um, and the thing is about losing losing patience with terrestrial radio. It's like I almost feel sorry for those people because technology has changed at such a such a pace. And they really don't know how to react to it, but people are being paid to come up with decisions, make decisions, and they don't know what decisions to make because there's really no answer to any of this. It's moving so quickly. So, um, well, okay, ha- ha- you know, how to wrap that up? I don't know what to say other than uh, I feel for anybody who's trying to uh, to to figure this thing out because
0: uh, we're 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 pretty far from figuring it out still. I'll answer it. Um, a little bit more of a of a direct because I I know you wanted to say like what what happened to terrestrial radio was this all the personality was sucked out of it, mm-hmm. um like there there was like when we started and just for some historical perspective, when we started, you know Don Daynard had a morning show Tony you remember him and Roger Rick and Marilyn and brother Jake and Jesse and Jean and here we are thirty one years or whatever later, and we're sort of the last. Airbenders in terms of big time, and I, I'm just use you know all you know humbly as as possible, big time radio personality guys, and where you can find us is not on the radio. I've already named Joe Rogan, Mark Maron. You think about who the big voices are, Smartless, all these podcasts, what what you're not getting from radio is authenticity. What you're getting is seven or eight or nine or ten songs an hour. There's no there's no brother Jake doing the champ. There's no Jesse and Gene doing their phone calls. There's no Mr. Goohead. It's become so inauthentic. And and it's again, we were talking about this recently, so it's at the top of my mind. But in a world where you can listen to, to satellite radio where they where they are you know, speaking authentically, or once you can watch any kind of TV, Netflix streaming where people swear. Not that that's the be-all and end-all. Well, how do you go back to some guy going, "Well, this traffic is a, really going to give you a, a kick in the the pants," or you know what I mean? Like, right. it's so hokey and and, and form, formulaic, right, formulaic. Yeah. yeah, but and yeah. that's why Freddie says like, we, we we feel for these people because. It's it's they
2: if they're they they're basically took the personality and they shelved it. Well, and, I was uh, yeah, I I see your point totally. I, on the rare occasions that I listen to terrestrial radio, maybe driving to St. Catharines or something, and listening to the on-air personalities, you know, stretch out uh, a thing to get you to have you continue to listen. Oh, wait till you hear about this uh, mm-hmm. lady oh, yeah. who was in love with a chimpanzee. Uh, more <laughs> later. You know, and you can, you know exactly what they're doing. They just want you to keep listening for more on, on whatever teaser they have, but it's, it's just a formula now.
3: But look at the situation they were in. So digital music comes along, Spotify, those digital music services. Now you can create your own radio station when it comes to music. You don't need radio now for music, but what did radio stations do? Rather than saying, okay, the music's out of the equation. Now radio's got to be about personality and going that route. They start chasing the music services and saying to the to the announcers, Oh, you're not supposed to talk much anymore now. You know, the breaks, you gotta hold them to 20 seconds, get back to that music. Like they had a shot, like they had a chance at actually competing with these music services. Now I'm sure there's a lot of programmers that that thought knew really the answer was we got to lean on personality. We can't compete music wise anymore, but that cost money. Right. And revenues had really been affected through this, but hiring voices and and personality was going to cost too much money. So, you know, you know, they made the decision, gets back to what Howard just said. It's that it took all the authenticity out. It took all the
0: personality out because they weren't willing to pay for it. You know, Tony and Jody, the, um, you know, we did a lot of funny little bits over the years and, you know, we had lots of high profile guests like Tony Clement and, you know, Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters, mm-hmm. uh, Inc. A lot of people came through our doors, but I can tell you the things that people will remember or, or talk to us about saying, hey, uh, that story you told about your daughter uh, 30 years ago, I still remember that. It's 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 always the personal stuff and radio now. And when we've been to some broadcast uh, schools, they basically tell these new kids, "It's like mm-hmm. whatever you do, don't talk about yourself." Where where the opposite is true, as you know, Tony and Joe. When you're you when you're the most yourself, is when people find you the most attractive to be around because they mm-hmm. can go, "Oh, he has the, he feels the same way I do about that, and he has the same problems with his ex-wife that I do, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. You know, you what know. I mean? We we just go back off holidays and, you know,
3: we talked about everything. We've talked about, you know, the vaccine and the Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Afghanistan and on and on and on and on. But we come back from holidays. Howard tells a story about how he can't stand playing board games and how it caused some tension yeah. on his holiday. And I told a story about I can't wear bathing suits with netting, you know, <laughs> because it, <laughs> irri- it, it irritates my scrotum. Yeah, and so what do you wear? So, what do you think got the biggest reactions?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. All well,
3: the other, th- all the other stuff we talked about. Those two items this week probably got the most or most reaction. People, responded. I love your
2: Neil Young story too, Fred.
3: Well, that, that type of thing too, like being in the same room as Neil
0: Young and not knowing it. Yeah, but the best part about yeah. that story for me is the woman that thought Fred was fat <laughs> yeah. was Neil Young. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. chances. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, this whole thing about netting and he, you know what he does? He wears underwear with his bathing costume. Yeah, I mean, come on.
3: But but I you guys know what that. I'm talking about. You know that netting that they put <laughs> yeah, in yeah, bathing suit. No, we, yeah.
0: yeah. we all live with it.
3: As your bathing as it, as your bathing suit dries and you're wearing it, I find it's very irritating. And I, apparently, there's been great. Uh, Steps. uh, I mean, there's great uh, bathing suits out there now to
0: alleviate Mm -hmm. that. I just haven't bought one yet. (laughs) And by the way, (laughs) for the record, Tony and Jody, that the tension came because I didn't want to play a board game, but I did this thing called Cards Against Humanity. Oh yeah. And and here's the thing: at the hour and a half mark, I just started saying little things like, "Okay, last round." And my girlfriend was like, "We're all having a great time. Why can't you just?" I'm like, "Hey, (laughs) I I, I lasted ninety minutes." That's pretty good. I hadn't heard that one. That's a we good. We got one. to an hour 45, and then I was like, done. And everyone got mad at me. Oh, I, I can understand that. All right. Hey, why uh, do have to play porn? Just because it's a cottage, why do we have to play board games? Yeah. I, I, we've got a ton of board
2: games in my house. And you do. Every cottage does. Games. And we call it when we get bored with each other games because that's what we play I'm just happy not everybody's looking at their screens all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So that, that to me is a plus. Hey, I gotta, I gotta ask, uh, uh, you've had so many guests. What, which one, you know, can you think about that where it just sort of fell off the rails because it was just too crazy, mm-hmm. like crazy good or crazy bad, uh, crazy bad. Well, Why Howard, you tell you, uh, you, you
3: were the sort of instigator. So you tell the Al Waxman story. Uh, do you mean since the podcast or since we've been together since well, you've been together? Yeah.
0: Well, okay. No, I, I won't give you the details, but on the podcast, during the podcast years, I made, um, Oswald's widow cry. That's a true story. Oh, that's oh right. My gosh. Man. Yeah. Um, But the Al Waxman story, I'll tell it as quick as I can. We were uh, being filmed. Somebody was in the studio that day. In our studio in those days, there was Fred and I and our writers and producers. There was a lot of people in the room, especially because there was a crew. So I walked out into the green room. I said hi to Al. Hey, Al, just so you know, there's a bunch of people filming. Just wanted to give you the heads up. He's like, no big deal. And um, he had just won the Order of Canada. And uh, he sits down, I introduce him, and everyone claps. And it's a pretty robust group of people in the room. And uh, we're all excited to have Al Waxman on. And I said, hey, congratulations on the Order of Canada. And then I paused. As a, just as a joke, I said, I'm just curious. Uh, it's got to be a great honor, but I'm just curious. How many Canadian tire points do you need to get that, right? <laughs> Which I thought was a funny little mm-hmm. quirky question. And everyone laughed. And then he sort of freaked out.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: And um, he goes, okay, that's it. Stop the cameras, stop the cameras. And we're all like, is this a bit? Because it was like, could have been a bit. It's our show. People might, maybe he's playing along with us. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't a bit. He did not take kindly to that. No, it got really awkward. He he sort of chastised me because he said, I represent all Order of Canada when I was
3: Yeah, but you know, what bothered us a bit about that interview too is he came in with the Toronto Sun and. The whole time he's sort of sitting there, he's reading the newspaper, not paying any attention to us. And even when the interview started, it was like we were an afterthought. Yeah. So it rubbed us the wrong way. So, again, Howard's training on, you know, trying to get something out of the guest. He came up with that line. And, oh, yeah, he got something
0: out of the guest. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was great because everyone remembers it as being super awkward. Um, (laughs) Freddie, can you think of uh, any of the... the, Well, Freddie got to have lunch with Robert Duval. That's oh, a true story. Mm-hmm. What was yeah,
3: that, that like? Uh, it, it was it was very cool. Um, it was uh, very cool. I uh, what happened? Our uh, producer Danger Boy at the time used to always talk in a Scottish voice and talk we only about,
0: speak in a Scottish voice.
3: Pardon me. Remember those days? He never used his regular voice. Yeah, he never he did. Yeah, yeah. As a Scottish guy, and he used to often talk about soccer. Soccer, and we'd give him the gears. Well, somebody that was connected to Robert Duvall who was going to be in Toronto and was about to make a movie about soccer, thought that Jason was some authority on soccer and phoned the station one day and said, could um, uh, Jason have lunch with Robert Duvall so he can pick his brain about soccer? (laughs) No word of a lie. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then I said to Jason, hey, can I come along with you? That'd be pretty cool. And he said, yeah. So we went and sat in the... Was it the Metropolitan Hotel? No, I think or it was the King Eddie. It might have been or something oh,
2: okay. like that.
3: Anyway, we sat and had lunch with him, and it was pretty cool because it's, you know, you're sitting there looking at
2: this guy thinking, wow, he was in The Godfather. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was I was thinking of Apocalypse Now, but the same, same mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. But, but did, did Jason stick with a Scottish accent to prove his authority? <laughs> no. He didn't. Know, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because that would have been really funny. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um,
0: but yeah, through the years, we uh, we're very lucky. We had uh, Dave Grohl on a few times. Yeah. That's and, very um, nice. And um, John Cusack uh, was another good bit that we had. Um, I have a real quick Dave Grohl story for you. Cause I know you're a guitar player and I love Dave Grohl. And um, so this was literally a few years, maybe the, you know, whenever the Foo Fighters formed, you know, we all knew Dave from, you know, being the drummer for Nirvana. Mm-hmm. But in the studio in those days, I had a guitar because me and another guy, we used to sort of mess around and he was a good player and I wanted to learn songs. And in those days, Tony, as you know, if you wanted to, learn now, if you want to learn a song, you know, you just go on the internet, all the chords are there. That's right. And if you want to pay a little premium, someone will teach you how to play it. But in those days, I would sit in the studio and in between songs, try and figure out how to play the songs. So I was trying to figure out how to play like Everlong or something. Mm-hmm. So by the second or third time that we had Dave Grohl on, um, I just before he left, I said, Hey Dave, would you would you mind I'm trying to learn this song? Would you show me how to play it? And he takes my guitar and he starts to play the intro. And and I don't I don't know what made me say this. I guess I was confused or I wasn't sure what chord he was playing, but I said, um, is that really how you play it? He looked at me and I he, He sort of made a look. He sort of looked at me like, What are you asking? I said, Are you sure? He looked and he goes, Yeah, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this is how you play it.
2: Howard questions a chord.
0: Because I wrote it.
3: That's
0: (laughs) how I know. That was
2: supposed to be an A A minor seven, Dave.
0: (laughs) No, I know. Are you sure that's an A A sus? Because it sounded to me like an A seven. I'm pretty sure he said.
2: Oy, oy, oy. Hey, I, we're almost out of time. Uh, one, I got one more question for Fred, and I'm going to uh, uh, toss it over for Jody and golf. But Fred, uh, I, I have to ask, as you know, I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. Maybe you didn't know that, but I am. No. Uh, yes, I, didn't. I am. How have you kept that from me? Oh no. I, I didn't yeah. want uh, <laughs> to <wanna> upset you. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, um, it, you know, uh, I know you're passionate about the Leafs. So uh, are you are you feeling good about the season coming up, or how you feeling?
3: Absolutely not. I just had that conversation earlier today with someone. I'm not at all excited about the leaf season. Uh, totally disgusted with that performance in the spring. And to me, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, nothing means anything until April. You know? Mm, yeah. Matthews can score 75 goals. Marner can get 280 points. They can do whatever they want. Nothing matters until April. That's, what what, that's happens where I, April? I am at with it. And to tell you the truth, I think they're going to be hard-pressed to make the playoffs because their distribution of salaries is out of whack. And and, and I, think, I think the window was open for a moment, and it's been slammed shut.
0: That's the way I look at it. I'm sorry. I have a question for you. What happens in April? Is that when they usually finish up their... Yeah.
3: <laughs> that's when they, that's when they're knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Out, okay,
2: we're okay. leading three right. to one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Jody, uh, on to you.
1: Yeah. I was just going to wrap up quickly. I uh, focus on Howard for a second here, but Howard and I both share a passion for golf and hoping to play together at some point soon, but you're coming down to my neck of the woods uh, very soon for the senior men's amateur championship. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. And, I just wanted to test your knowledge. Do you know who the the winningest senior men's amateur champion is of all time within the GAO?
0: That's a great question. I would. Um, who's the winningest senior amateur player of all time? Yeah. Uh, I would guess. Uh, God, who would that be? Um,
1: Lars Melander. No, I, I believe it's so. Nick Westlock out of oh, Mississauga. Yeah, no.
0: Nick Westlock, who used to be uh, best friends with Mo Norman.
1: Yeah, so yep. he won it, believe it or not. This is wild, Howard. He won it starting in 1968. For the next 13 years, he yeah. won 11 times. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good at golf. Yeah, <laughs> wild. So, so maybe your streak will start next week or a uh, couple weeks.
0: It's usually when I play at these events, there's a streak, but it's... It's not on the uh, scorecard.
1: No.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's running vertical somewhere else. It's
2: yeah.
1: hard, okay? It's in his netting.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Jody, you he <laughs> gave away a, 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 a pair of underwear for each player at your Pro-Am tournament.
1: Yeah, I do a charity Pro-Am. And actually, for Fred, it would be perfect. The, the company's called Two Under, uh, shameless plug. Uh, Ricky Fowler wears that underwear. It's uh, has I, a great way, support Joey. system. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: I'm wearing those right now. My friend, I sent yeah, away, there you go. Yeah. It's,
1: it's amazing.
2: We should get him as a sponsor, Jody. Come on. Get at it. <laughs> hey, uh,
0: by the way, thanks you uh, guys for, uh, I know you're going to say everybody thanks again for having us on and Tony, um, we really appreciate you coming on our show. It's a big feather in our cap and you're one of our favorite guests. And, uh, you know, whenever I say, Hey, Tony i on, you know, my golf buddies mm-hmm. are like, Oh
2: yeah, I know that guy I like him. He's a good guy. You know? Well, thank so you. We it's, it really uh, uh to have that connection with you guys. Uh when things went south for me uh, for a little while, but uh, you guys were loyal and you were you were there for me and I really appreciate that and I always will.
3: Well, and yeah, and I I'm pleasantly surprised tonight because I really thought this was going to be like a heated political discussion to be honest.
2: <laughs> I really did. Well, we 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 do a little bit of politics on this podcast, but I I just thought we'd we talk a little bit about you know your experiences I think that, that that's important because you you have a show and you do talk about your experiences that's mm-hmm. true but I I, I, I did want to get at the essence of 10 years mm-hmm. uh, as a podcast that that that's incredible to me
0: I know it's quite
2: something <laughs> well there you go
0: it is uh, something <laughs> it is, it's something yeah. uh, guys thank you very much uh, Thank you
1: Freddie enjoy your whatever your family there and
0: uh, hope that uh,
1: you yes, all yes safe. I will. 10 years in podcasting, definitely ahead of the curve for sure. I mean, there's been podcasts around for a long time, but those guys were definitely innovators in that space. And, and you're seeing the fruits of their
2: labors. And great guys. And listen, they, you can't be, you know, you you can't be in Toronto and have listened to radio without encountering Humble and Fred. They were, they were number one for a while, uh, for the morning show, number one in Toronto. That's pretty yeah, weird. no, I
1: remember that. I mean, I was in, like, I went to broadcasting school. I've been in radio for 20 plus years before I've transitioned into some new stuff. But I, I was at Loyalist college in 2000, 2001 and like humble and Fred were like, we, we wanted to intern on that show. That's right. You wanted to be like them. Like I listened to them. Like, so it was kind of cool to have them on this.
2: Now they're, uh, they're, they're great guys. And uh, I do, I do on occasion, I uh, uh, do appear on the Humble and Fred show to give my political analysis. Uh, and I think the next time I'm on is going to be the morning of election day. So that should be very interesting.
1: All right. We are going to wrap this up. Thanks to Municipal Solutions uh, for being our presenting sponsor. Again, you can find them at municipalsolutions.ca. And, of course, make sure you check out LooneyPolitics.com for exclusive content. Use the word podcast for 50% off your annual subscription and, Tony sorry what were you gonna say
2: and thanks again to Briar Summers for our new opening yeah it's, we love it it's, a, it's like
1: an earworm I gotta yeah. be honest at first I'm kind of like mm, I don't know about this but it's like stuck in my head like all i I was golfing earlier and all of I was like and another thing <laughs> and
2: we're thinking of doing a hard metal version of it too right yeah, or a rap version or a rap version you know yeah. we could go on and on hip-hop you got it it goes on and on for briar summers we we really appreciate it another
1: on. thing to... <laughs> oh totally unrelated but it just made me think of that i just started watching rocket man
2: oh i haven't seen that yet do you like? Oh, it?
1: it's uh very interesting i'm trying to figure out though is it based on his life or is there some exaggeration in there
2: for elton john well, his whole life was an exaggeration so. okay
1: but no it's his, his relationship with his dad if this is accurate very sad, like very sad.
2: Oh, I don't so, know. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm. I, I've got teed up the uh, the drumming one, the drumming documentary. So that's count me in. Yeah, you like that in. one. I, I want to see that for sure.
1: Anyway, we will do this again in seven days.
2: You betcha.